Welcome to the Awe and Wonder AAC podcast. Today we're here with Christy Rohr and we're talking about um, her perspective as a parent with um, a son with a degenerative disorder. So um, I'm Sarah Kinsella. I'm Brenda Delonte. And Christy, can you introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about your son, Camden? Sure. Um, I'm Christy Rower. I live in Arizona and I have a, I have an 11 year old son, Camden, who uh, lives with and thrives with Palasius Merzbacher disease. And it is as rare as it sounds. Um, it, 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 they, they think maybe between 200 and 500,000 births, um, PMD, uh, the occurrence of PMD. Um, but his story starts before PMD because Camden was a preemie. And Camden's prematurity had nothing to do with his uh, PMD diagnosis. So Camden was born at 29 weeks as a result of me getting valley fever, which is something that happens in different regions of the United States. And so in Arizona, there are fungus particles in the dust here that yeah. sometimes you can get valley fever. Um, sometimes it's really minor uh, because uh, pregnant women are immune suppressed. Um, it caused me to go into respiratory failure and sepsis and I needed medication that they couldn't give me pregnant. So oh, it got wow. to a point, um, on life support and such that they decided that they had had to take Camden. And so he was a preemie and that was our first journey because, um, I have a healthy son, um, who does not have any genetic issue at all. And then I was pregnant with my second one and you're just kind of on this very typical journey. And then I have a preemie. Right. So I'm a teacher. And, uh, so all I can think of is like the sensory issues that come with having a preemie. So, you know, you start asking people, you're like, so the PT comes by and you're like, teach me pediatric massage and teach me, you know, we're doing skin on skin. We're doing just anything I can think of. And, um, we left the NICU, um, in about two months. Um, which was good. Um, he did really well. And he, I, you leave with PT and OT and speech and it's like, God be with you. And you're like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. Right. Because mm -hmm. every, the mantra to me in NICU, and I know other moms I've talked to as well, is it's just kind of like, if you just do enough therapy, they'll catch up. And mm -hmm. then you're like, oh, I'm going to just, so uh, I talked to Brenda about, I'm going to therapize, we're going to therapize this just right out of him. Just, right. he's just going to do so well. I'm a smart mom. I'm right. going to do this. Right. Because so, right now you just know he's a preemie. Right. 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 Okay. He has like a strider, which is like, so when he swallows and things, there's mm -hmm. little things where like, oh, that's a preemie thing. That's a preemie right. thing. And I had my own health. So we were in the hospital together for a long time. And then right. I kind of. I kind of mirrored, I was like, my therapy became learning how to get to walk, to get to him. Right. I'm going to, I can walk to the NICU. I can use my walker. I can push my own wheelchair. I can do, you know, I can do, I can go without oxygen now. Wow. And so I just was in this very rehabilitative. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I will tell you that at least in my state, um, early intervention is kind of revered as this, like, it is so fixable. Like this is so mm -hmm. fixable which is interesting because mm -hmm. my son at a year could not hold his head up still. Mm -hmm. And no one would really say anything to me about this. He was also diagnosed um, hearing impaired, which we'll talk about later. But so we were on this journey that was really kind of off where we ended up. And mm -hmm. I wonder how many people end up there too, you know, right. and we, 
um, we just kept doing more therapy and I would pay for therapy. And we would just, we just kept thinking like, when is somebody going to have a conversation with me about why my, why my 12 month old, like is so floppy, like how, and, and no one really would say anything to me until he was a year. And then wow, I so you yeah. had all the therapists there. Yeah. All the time, but not really just, yes, not. Okay. Wow. And just kind of, you know, like, um, I, I talk, I talk to people about like speech therapists blowing bubbles. It's like, there was mm-hmm. lots of bubbles being blown mm-hmm. books being read. And mm-hmm. I felt like, um, I read books to him. Like I am a mom with, but we read books. Like you don't right. need to read books. Please do something different than what I can do. Right. Like show me how to do this and show me how to interact with him. And I would say the first year that didn't happen very much. Also, uh, early intervention in Arizona was shifting to a dynamic where there was one lead therapist and it was kind of whatever your child needed the most. And then that person was supposed to kind of do a, a, a full care kind of, I, I don't know. And, and I will tell you that when it was, when it was presented to me, it was probably the first hill I decided I was going to kind of stand on and say, nope, that won't happen here. Cause you were mm. kind of choose what your child needed the most. Right. Wow. So he could hardly feed. He could not sit up. He could not, it was like, he needs all of it. Right. And I understand that maybe some kids don't, but he did. Well, yeah, and I would say in that model, most p- parents pick physical therapy because they want their child to walk. Right. And most one-year-olds aren't talking. So they're right. not looking at any delays in communication yet. We and were, so and we sorry. had a ton of people that had lead PTs. Yes. Yes. And so I, um, I, somebody helped me and I got a name of somebody and this woman showed up at my meeting. It was definitely not like a lawyer advocate situation, but it was someone who showed up at my meeting and, um, she was very nice. And I just said, what's the exception here? Cause whatever mm-hmm. this is, this is exception. I'm not sure what it is, but he is, and he still functions like a newborn and no one will tell me why. So we've, we we're not, we're not choosing a therapy right now. And we didn't. So that, that, that was good. Um, but we were learning sign language because that that's what you do with a child mm-hmm. who maybe has a hearing impairment. Um, and it's like, but he, he responds to us and he looks at us and he turns to his name and like, but he's not talking, but he can't sign anything because he doesn't. So it was an interesting journey. We found a neurologist who um, I adore. And he um, just said, I think there's something going on here. You know, there's mm-hmm. enough different things. And we did a chromosomal microarray. Camden's condition. It was the first, we were within the first few months of that condition being added to the microarray, oh, um, wow. which I'm sure has expanded even more now. And so he has um, PMD, which is a mile. It's a D, it's a dysmyelinating condition. So it's in that umbrella of leukodystrophies. Um, the world of leukodystrophies is vast, and they they are they vary greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, but Camden's is a slower degeneration. Mm-hmm. So I have met sweet, sweet families with little ones who could walk and talk until three and seizures kind of strip you of all of those abilities and they're gone in two years. And it's very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, dystrophies are, are terminal. Um, so when we found out about Camden's diagnosis, we did know that it came with a shortened lifespan and we knew that, uh, because it's such a rare condition, the first information we were given was um, that maybe our other son also would have something 
And the, the big emphasis in that conversation was that I should not have more children. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay. And it's like, and we can get to that, but if you could tell us about him, you know, that's going to be really important. Um, it is an X-linked disorder, which a lot of leukodystrophies are. Um, and a lot of boys have leukodystrophies as a result of that. So you have a healthy X, you have a, uh, it, girls have two X chromosomes and boys have XY. So, um, when girls have a, an X-linked issue, they are a carrier and mm-hmm. boys have symptoms typically. Um, although right. that's not to say that girls can't have different leukodystrophies that manifest in different ways. So Camden's degeneration looks different maybe than some other degenerations, um, but it's definitely there. And we have explored that for the last 11 years. We have definitely seen that. Yeah. And, and, and I think I, I want to say that Christy's really involved in the PMB organization. And so is Camden's dad. And um, I will say that um, when Camden did have words, actually, did have and, words. Um, um, there are parents of young children who are, you know, posting the videos of their kids saying words and it's so exciting. And, and I think that, um, Christy does such a good job of being like, take all the videos. Like she knows that's going to go away. And, but she's also not, um, going, Oh, just, you see, it's going to be gone. It's, it's not negative. I can't explain it. She's just Mm -hmm. like, embrace it. This is so great. Remember his voice, you know, Mm -hmm. like there's this, there's two ways to look at degeneration. And I think Christy has such a healthy way of looking at, and she does a lot of counseling with those. Um, not, not, she's not a counselor. Let me, I I use that wrong, but I mean, she does counsel those with this, those younger parents in earlier stages of this generation. So beautifully. I don't know if you want to say something about that. You know, I think that, um, we found out that Camden had PMD in May of 2012. He was born in April of 2011. And um, there was a lot going on at that time. Uh, Camden's dad and I were divorcing um, and then kind of coming together and co-parenting this child that now had such a significant issue, you know, such a significant condition that we had no idea. I mean, again, we got divorced under this pretense that he was going to catch up and we were going to have two typical kids. And so um, as as we navigated this, we were also navigating a cochlear implant for Mm -hmm. auditory neuropathy because for sedated ABR, like hearing tests for babies, you need myelin to, um, to generate those, to see that those nerves are working, um, all those tests to work, you know, also Mm -hmm. an EEG, you know, you need myelin to see, like, do you have seizure activity? So it's interesting when your child doesn't have myelin or whatever Mm -hmm. myelin they have, they're actively losing. Um, so we found a, a group on social media, thank goodness, that was just like, cancel his cochlear implant. He can hear. Wow. They all fail their hearing tests. And the, and, and, and the information you're getting is like, um, some guy in Paris is doing research on that. And you're uh, like, yeah. Hey, Cause that's kind of what this community is, is it's just so few people, you know, right. and, but the people who are in it are gold and they help each other. So again, like when I was posting, you know, mama, you know, at Christmas time and he says mama, and it was, and not a single person ruined that for me either. You know, it's like, I'm so glad you get to hear him. And so, um, you know, that's, I have tissues here because I may cry, but I still, I can still do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a huge part of gener- degeneration too, though, is, um, it's hard. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to, and I think that's why this is so important. It's so important that we talk about 
what is so good and valuable in every day of a child's life, even when they're degenerative. So um, one of the things that happens um, in that community is a PMD, uh, like a, like a conference. And so it was like, there's a conference we're absolutely going and it's in Indianapolis and a sweet family runs that conference and they've lost all three of their boys and they do this out of the goodness of their heart and the Riley medical center in, um, in Indianapolis, we were able to see a doctor who had seen cases of it. Um, you know, Camden's dad and I talk about, you know, if you can spell Palazius Merzbacher disease, right? Like then you can be a part of the decision-making. Was that, um, Christy, was that the first time you'd seen a doctor that had seen someone with? Um, Cam, the, the, the neurologist that, that, uh, that did diagnose Camden had mm-hmm. seen three cases. Okay. He's now seen six. Wow. Wow. So, and I was 11. And he is like, a, and he's like one of the chief neurologists at Barrows. And this is not a young man. This is a man who has dedicated his entire life to neurological disorders. And he's like, I've seen three. There's mm-hmm. a family that comes up from Chile when they come, I, you know, do you want me to give them your number? I mean, this is, these right. are the conversations the day he's right. diagnosed, right? So how amazing that there's a conference that's oh. fairly accessible. Exactly. I mean, Exactly. Yeah. And, wow. and you, take your, you take your baby and it's like, um, and then you see like power chairs and, and AAC devices and things where you're like, right. I don't even know what this is, right. but right. I know at, around this time, one of my big conversations was, um, he can't sign. Like we've been doing sign language. And I mean, like really like teaching our three-year-old sign language so he can mm. communicate with his brother and that's not going to work. So what's going to work. Right. And and speech therapist kind of looking at me like, well, we can do pecs. That was a big, Mm -hmm. that was the big next push was we'll do pecs. And so I look up the picture exchange. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you want him to hand you a picture because he can't (laughs) sign either. And it was like, somebody help me, someone, someone help me understand what this world looks like. Cause at that point, um, I had never heard of AAC. I had never heard of devices. I had never heard of the technology of any capacity that was kind of available to Camden. Right. right. And at that point, somebody said, well, let's try a switch. Right. Right. And that was our dual sensory impairment therapist. So Camden I diagnosed like visually impaired cortical visual impairment and okay. this auditory neuropathy. And it was one of those situations where I didn't care what name we were putting on it. Marianne was gold. She walked into my house and she was gold. She looked at me and said, I don't know that I have the answer, but we're going to look at it together. And she was the first person to do that. And so I kind wow. of clung to her. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And how old was Camden at this time? Um, he was, he was a year. A year. Okay. Okay. And he was in a, um, anyone who's had a child who the cortical visual impairment, hearing impairment, like maybe these are things that are happening. We, I know I've talked to other moms about like your, your glasses and hearing aids phase that you didn't need either one of those things. <laughs> mm. Look at Camden now. And it's like, sorry about the hearing aids, right? Like <laughs> bless your sweet little heart. You know what I mean? It's like, Ooh. Um, this was all during that time. And she's like, you know, I don't know that we need those things. We're going to keep, we're going to talk to the doctors. And she said, you know, I don't know a lot about AAC, but like, what about a switch? And so there's a switch, there's like a switch library where you can check out a switch and always a therapist who's been around for a while. There's like a little white puppy 
that you mm-hmm. can buy. And it's like a yippie dog. And mm-hmm. so that was the switch toy that we tried. Cause that was the switch toy I knew about and can't, it terrified Camden. I mean, it was just like, it was. And so, and then bless other people's hearts that came in our house and are like, let's try switches. And it's like, no, no, we, the, the switches are right. awful. He's we so, don't need more dogs. Right. So he, well, it uh, doesn't even matter what the switch was connected to. He just equated it. As soon as he saw the switch, he cried. And I got to be honest, um, we haven't gotten there yet, but he saw the switch and he cried. It was over. Your session was over. Mm. Yeah. Don't bring out the switch. And I mean, he was super smart. You know, that competency is so intact for Camden and he's so expressive um, that he, I mean, you'd get a red, it was that red switch. It was that Big Mac red switch. That's what, that's what it was brought out. And he was like, hard pass. And then you're mm-hmm. just like, well, let's try the red AbleNet switch. It's smaller. And he's like, uh-uh, there's I know no, what that is. Yeah. What that is. So but I will say like, we've come a long ways because Christy's been part of the nonprofit Billy Beyond Ability and we give away switch toys every year. And, um, on purpose, we're, we're adapting toys that meet different sensory situations because her experience was like, nobody tried a, nobody tried a vibrating toy. Nobody tried a, um, I mean, he was one, yeah. he did like bubbles. Nobody tried a bubble machine. Like nobody tried something that wasn't going to startle him, you know? So, um, we learned a lot, even mm-hmm. in her experience about, gosh, we need variety with repetition, right? We just can't do repetition because repetition created such fear that we, you know, we have overcome the switch issue, but it took years and it didn't take very long to make him scared, but it sure took him mm-hmm. years to get away from it. And it's interesting because I think that that experience and that, and him reacting to that switch toy, I could see where a therapist and maybe a therapist that wasn't as seasoned as Marianne was could maybe think, um, oh my gosh, I really messed up. Mm-hmm. I really like, this was awful. Right. And, and, and it's interesting because I, I can be an intimidating mom. I can be a heart. I think I can intimidate. I've heard that feedback before. Um, <laughs> I, but I will say that, I mean, I would cling to anyone who had any idea mm-hmm. because right. I didn't have an idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was, this is a child who, um, I desperately wanted to connect to and connect with and have, have experiences with, and I didn't know how to play with him. Mm-hmm. I did like, how do you play with a child who can't hold a toy? Like, how do you, and it's like, so we read books and we talked and we sang songs because that's all I knew how to do. And so, I mean, if you wonder if there were six hours of that someday, there were, because mm-hmm. I just was so desperate to figure out what to do. And so anytime someone was like, well, I have an idea. It was like, say it out loud. Right. And it's like, I don't even need it to work because what I have is no ideas. Right. So um, that risk-taking that she was willing to do with me Um, even though it didn't work. And she said, like, I know there are other switch toys. I just don't have access to them. Like, let's keep trying, let's keep doing this, you know? And that's one of the big things about Believe Beyond Ability. Um, It's one of the reasons it exists is because there aren't a lot of switch toys out there. I mean, think about it. And the switch toys that exist are not the toys that his brother's playing with, right? And they're Mm -hmm. not like the the, uh, the characters he watches on TV or, you know, the, the books that he's reading, you know, it's, it's okay. a hippie dog that has no context of anything. Mm-hmm. So that was, a um, I know that through the years we have connected to and found things that have built on that experience, but, um, she was willing to have that experience with us. And that is such a vital thing. And, 
she was also willing to hold space for us, knowing that the next time she would come and see Camden, maybe he wouldn't know what they were, what it looked like before. Because the thing about degeneration is, um, if you are a, if you are married to linear growth, if that is, if that is how you rate your value as a therapist or rate mm-hmm. your value as a parent, um, mm-hmm. lose every time you're going mm-hmm. to, you know, you're going to have a really hard time, um, enjoying the relationship with that kid, which actually I, and of course I didn't know that because I'm not a speech therapist, but I have a lot of speech therapist tendencies. I'm a data driven. I have a, I'm, I'm psychology driven. I run a testing program. So, I mean, if you wonder if I had an Excel spreadsheet of skills, I sure did, you know, I <laughs> did there for a minute. And, um, a lot of what I've learned in the Camden journey applies to all kids, all people, all relationships, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're worth, if the worth of that experience is based on the outcome only, um, it's going to be harder. It's going to yeah. be harder to, it's going to be harder to walk away from the day you had and understanding your impact, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so Christy, he's one year old and the switch is presented. How, Tell us about the journey from there to what he's currently using for communication. So that continued with the DSI and she, um, I was able to have some conversations with, um, so that was all through like the school for the blind and deaf, which is interesting because that is nowhere yeah. where our journey is now, but thank goodness for those people. Right. Um, and those were people who, um, at, in Arizona where I'm from, they were people who could hold space for a, a hard case. So like, this is all before school and doctors, you know, we have a lot of doctors, we're trying to work on lots of different things, but none of the, they're kind of like, just talk to your therapists. So mm-hmm. the therapist became kind of a lifeline for the daily, the daily work and progress. You know, our, our doctors, um, especially once a doctor knows that you have a terminal degenerative, no cure kind of thing. I can't tell you how many times I've been told, like, what do you want to do, mom? And it's like, well, I'd like someone with a medical degree to chime in. Mm. <laughs> like, wow. I, don't, I don't have an answer. What a um, question. Yeah. So, so, um, navigating that becomes such a, it's such a separate entity in my experience. And mm-hmm. then the therapy piece was kind of what happens daily. How do we play? How do you interact? How do you communicate? And, um, that team from ASDB school of blind and deaf, they really started to, um, say like, well, cause I look up the AAC evaluation requirements. First of all, not 13 months was, was a big thing back then. Um, I'm happy to say those things are changing now. It's exciting, but it wasn't, it wasn't that way then. Um, and, and in other words, Christy, you're saying 13 months was too young, too young at that time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So start PECs mm-hmm. and it's like, talk to me about how PECs can be, um, you know, I'd started to learn about accessibility. That was kind of mm-hmm. the first, like now things need to be accessible. Cause he's not going to like, there's not enough therapy to make him reach out and grab that. So tell right. me now what we're going to do. Right. And then, and then there's just people in that, that were in that space with me who would go, why do you think you have to do six months of PECs? Mm-hmm. Well, cause that's what this said. And she's like, Oh no, we're gonna, we're gonna override that. Mm-hmm. And then eventually that looked like at two, um, which it took that long because everything takes that long. I, I have not figured out how to 
quicken the system. If mm-hmm. somebody, if somebody who watches this podcast figures it out, contact me. Because um, <laughs> quickening the system doesn't really work. But um, we, so Marianne and that team helped me get an AAC evaluation. So that, so, and, and it's like, okay, great. And I will tell you at that point, um, lots of bu- bubbles were blown, lots of books were read. And you just don't know what you're going to experience, right? So, so, um, and then, and then Brenda Del Monte walks through my door <laughs> and uh, this amazing OT, Gina, and um, they just start doing things. She just start, mm-hmm. they start talking, they start doing things. And Brenda starts asking questions like, what is he like? And what, what makes him laugh? And does he, you know, does he laugh when you guys do? And it's like, oh, well, he likes, you know, he likes me. He likes kisses from me. He likes books. He likes farm animals. He likes, you know, so we're kind of going over these things. She's really the first one to ask. Um, ask what he likes. Yes. And there was a sense of, um, panic a little bit when mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really have that long of a list. Right. Cause I'm not really sure. Right. right. And but there's that panic. What I know about Brenda is probably as she talked to you about things in this AAC eval, it was show you, you were like, yeah, actually I do know all these other things, right? She kind of helps bring out what you already know. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us more. Tell us more. Um, So I, um, so, so we, she starts to do things, um, a little bit with switches, a little bit with, um, you know, different, different things, different access methods. And, um, she starts to talk about eye gaze, but one of the things she did before that is she had him make some choices. And I know that she asked for like bubbles from Brenda or like kisses from mom. And he like immediately chose kisses from mom, like so fast. And then she asked him about like, so she put him on a device and, um, it had farm animals and she's like, find the cow find the horse, find the sheep. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. I mean, he knew things, he knew Mm -hmm. things. And it was the first time in our life. So after two years old that he had demonstrated that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought she was a miracle. Right. Mm -hmm. And I thought, and I, and I, and it's interesting because I didn't give Camden credit at first. There Mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of credit at first for Camden. I think because there is a shock when you have a nonverbal kid and you're just trying to figure out your life, mm-hmm. um, they're in there, mm-hmm. like they're in there. And, and so even when you want to believe it, like the whole time you want to believe it when someone shows it to you and that, that barrier is broken and then there's no denying it. So I tell this story because Brenda leaves my house, Gina leaves my house and my husband shows them out and he had to like catch me at the door because I just broke down and sobbed because it's like, he's Mm. there, you know? And then from that moment on, there's no way you can't believe in him. Right. That's so true. And you know what? There's two things I remember about that day. One, I remember turning to you and saying, remember this, remember that he's doing this. Remember that he's finding all these things. Remember yes. that he's telling you things that you, you thought he, he, w- he would prefer the horse or something. And he picked the horse and like, there was all these things that were affirming in those moments. Yes. And at that time we had, we needed to trial three different devices and we needed to trial the, the three different devices in the same access method. And so we were coming back with different devices um, to give all of those equal opportunities. And, and I knew then that 
that some kids can do very well on one eye gaze device and bomb on the other two. And I, in case he bombs on the other two, I know she's going to doubt she saw what she saw because it, yes. it's, there's so much to take in on those evaluation mm-hmm. times. So I don't know if you remember that, but I was like, remember, remember this moment. Yes. You're like, girl, how could I forget it? But I will tell you, he didn't do as well on the other two devices. He didn't, and I absolutely doubted him. Or <laughs> <laughs> poor this poor team and this crazy mom. And so I made them come back. They were there at my house five times because mm-hmm. I made them come back and show me again because it's like, what if this isn't true? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's really important for a therapy team to get right. Of course, like being on the right access method, be on the right software. I mean, all those things are so important. We have navigated different software, different devices. There's definitely a different usage depending on those pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say that even more for a parent, um, it's like, oh my gosh, what if, um, because so much depends upon that experience. Right. And I, and I mean, I can't emphasize enough how much of my belief in our future, which is so at this point, so incredibly shaky, mm-hmm. just like not having any idea of what it will look like. Um, that, that was powerful. It was really important. And Brenda was patient enough to come back so that I had the buy-in I needed emotionally too. I mean, I, I understood the mechanism. I understood the, I had, at this point, I had already learned everything there was online about that device. You had your spreadsheets. I did. (laughs) That was, you know, because that was going to be, um, a, a a way to, to Mm -hmm. unlock things. And how are we collecting data on this is, was like right up there with one of the first questions. Or or Brenda again, because that was, and then the next, how can you be my therapist? How can you be our speech therapist? Like, how does that exist? And then Brenda's like, well, this is, this is my job and I do have ongoing clients, but they're not under three. So, you know, you can contact me, you know, when he turns three to see if maybe I have an opening. Um, so April 8th is Camden's birthday. It was like, happy birthday, Camden call Brenda Del Monte. Like it was like, it was like immediate because she held the, she held the belief with me. She would would do. And so people who do that, they're like gold. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't about like, talk to me about his degeneration. It was just like, talk to me about what he likes. Right. Tell me what he does. Tell me what he doesn't like. Tell me. And it was just, um, it was who he was today. Right. And it becomes such and, an important journey in degeneration. And this is, um, I, I will say this. Um, I don't, I wasn't the right person because I had all the answers. I wasn't the right person because I have heard of Plasius Marsbacher. I wasn't the right person because I treated so many other people with that diagnosis. Uh, we were the right team because we were both so curious about how to move forward. And we both a hundred percent believed he was in there and that, um, he wanted to be, um, unlocked, so to speak. And he wants I mean, nothing about his face says anything other that, I mean, he expresses more vocabulary in two minutes of his facial expressions than most of us do in words for the day. Mm So, um, it was like, honestly, I, I appreciate this about Christy a lot. 
And I'm, I'm thankful that I was far enough in my career to be, to be honest and say, yeah, I've never seen anybody with this and I don't actually know, but I want to try it. Do you? And it turns out that's all she ever needed. And by the way, as we get into her education, also, that's all Christie's ever required of people who educate her, him is, I don't know how to do this, but I'm excited to learn about how to do this. Because if Christy waits around for like an autism specialist, because my son has autism, she's going to find one tomorrow. If she waits around for a Plasius Merzbacher expert, she's not going to find that. And, um, it's not because we don't have resources here in Arizona. It's literally, we have a high level of resources for kids with disabilities, more than almost more than a lot of States, frankly, especially in the world of AAC, but that still didn't mean she was going to find that person. So, um, the hill that she was dying on is, do you know, he's in there and there were, she, she would gently, um, make changes in, um, gosh, Christy in therapists and nurses and teachers. And I say gently because I, nobody got fired from her, but but she, uh, and by the way, every Christy's always been so respectful of all these people in her home, by the way, that's a, that might be a different one because man, that the grand central station, that is her house people in and out. But, um, but she's always been respectful of, listen, she's a nice person and she's trying the best she can. Mm-hmm. and she's too afraid to fail to try something that she doesn't know if it's going to succeed. And I, I gotta have, I gotta have somebody brave enough to fail. I don't right. know. I don't know if you want to speak more to that fail piece yeah. because I was not an expert on this. No, no. And um, same here. I mean, I made him and I'm not an expert on him so <laughs> that, you know, that's an important, and, it, and that's a really um, important component to having a medically complex kid at least for me, I know that, um, some moms feel like they can, they are so connected to like the rhythm of their child that they feel really, really, um, they are the expert on that child. And I do think I, I am close to the expert on Camden, but Camden's actually the expert on Camden. And I, and, and, and I let him be that person. So mm-hmm. I work really hard with Camden to find ways so that he can tell us what he wants and needs in this life. So it's, I am not the expert because Camden, just like all kids, you know, my 14 year olds are also experts on themselves and it's my job as their parent to help get them to where they want to be. Right. So when you're really, and, and, and one thing that happens when you give a kid AAC at such a young age and you start to empower a child at a really young age is they become themselves. Mm-hmm. They become a kid. And I, I will shout this from all rooftops. AAC is a gateway for a child who has no verbal voice for them to know that I can be heard. And it doesn't mean that they're going to speak sentences. Like I want the blue cup with the apple juice and the green straw kind of things. Right. Does mean, um, that when, when communication is highly desirable for Camden, he is, he uses it and uses it effectively. So, and that is with, through degeneration, that is through, um, surgery that is through, we now have a, um, an optic atrophy, atrophy of his optic nerves where he has by 4 PM, his eyes are so dilated. He can't access his eye gaze. And we know that. So he has head switches. 
So he has, he has nonverbal yes, no. So he has, you know, he has a low tech all over my house because this is not about, um, she came in and gave us the right device. And that device was the answer. She came in and helped us see a mindset where every day you may have to do it a little differently. And if you really think about it, if you're a parent, that's true with all of our kids. Mm-hmm. And so that, that became really profound for me. And um, I don't need to be the expert on Camden because Camden is the expert on Camden. I do have to listen to him and sometimes be his voice when people can't see it. So that's right. a really, that's a really big piece. So, and I talk a lot about, um, you know, we've had lots of nurses, you know, Brenda talked about therapists. We've definitely had our fair share of therapists, nurses, school teams, um, Camden has been very lucky to have um, school teams that believe in him. They see mm-hmm. competency in him. Um, it is it is the most amazing thing when someone loves your kid who is hard to communicate with and is um, scary. I mean, my son has rods in his back. He has a G-tube. He comes with a wheelchair and a nurse who then there's this adult that sits in a classroom and it's expensive gag reflex. (laughs) Gag reflex. Um, It's kind of an initiation process with Camden. (laughs) And so we've had, you know, I've had therapists who um, are students of therapists who are um, disgusted, right? Mm -hmm. They're disgusted. And here's the deal. I can choose to be mad about that, or I can choose to look at that person and say, you should probably not do feeding either. Cause mm-hmm. that's, you know, that there is a cute and, and it's like the world of therapy and the world of education is vast. I'm in mm-hmm. education. I used to be a teacher and instructional coach. I'm now a school leader. And, um, it is, it, it's our job as adults, as we navigate our careers to find the parts that work for us. Speech is vast. You know, Mm -hmm. like you may be doing a rotation with somebody and my kid throws up on you and maybe you should do articulation Mm -hmm. that bothers you. Right. Right. Because that's, that's where, um, and so for me, me getting upset with that person doesn't help them understand that better. Mm -hmm. They're not our people. Like you're Mm -hmm. not our people. So it's just, and, and here's the deal. I don't know that before I had a Camden, if a Camden had shown up at my door as a teacher, I don't know that I would have known what to do with him. Mm-hmm. I got to hold a lot of space for someone who walks into our life and goes, and it doesn't mean they don't like him. It doesn't mean that they are um, not, I don't know the, the legalities of IDEA and how people get, and it's like, it doesn't mean they're not trying to give you something. It means they don't know how mm-hmm. I, don't, I haven't met a lot of people with poor intentions. I have to say that I have not right. met a school right. team who doesn't like my kid. That's not really what happens. Right. I meet tired school teams. Mm-hmm. I meet hired therapists who are like, I don't know what to do with him and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I can't do anything, but just say, like, hold their hands and go, I totally get that. Mm-hmm. You know? So, I mean, I also, so I have different, I have different views, I think, than maybe some people, you know, I want Camden to be the expert on Camden. I don't, I don't want to be the expert on Camden. I want him to find as much independence in this life as possible. So when you do that, you have a very empowered child who has lots and lots of opinions. Oh and yeah. He, well, his favorite thing, <laughs> is, I don't like it when you touch my talker. I mean, oh, in the beginning he was like, on his talker was like, yeah, I don't like it. So it's like, um, he yells at me when I touch his talker. And so <laughs> it was like, well, 
let's give him a button that says, I don't like it when you touch my talker. So then you mm-hmm. model and every sing- single time he's like, I don't like it when you touch my talker. And it's like, I don't know how else to model how to get there for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, then we also go to the doctor and he's core word says, I don't like her or I don't like you. And that's like navigation to four or five pages. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, this is the doctor that he doesn't like. And there's a message. Yeah. That, yeah. That's important. This, this is somebody that walked in the room and didn't even say hi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I you mean, know, you don't talk to him. Yeah. He doesn't like you. And then there's a whole part of me that's like, so then you have to lock all the buttons except sorry. <laughs> we'll apologize. Like the next thing you say will be an apology. And then you have to have like a sidebar, like he oh, said yeah. more words. Right? <laughs> that's when you're, you're texting your people, right? Oh <laughs> no. We, she left and we were like, we fist bumped in the doctor's <laughs> office, <laughs> but be respectful, but thank you for saying a sentence. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And having your opinion and being able to, to share your opinion. Well, yeah. So we, so we did create a monster, meaning we created a typical three-year-old who Absolutely. was sassy and said all the things. And then, um, and then he started school. So let's talk about the IEP, the dreaded for most days. And for you, I mean, and you're so experienced, but still, um, and you have such a great team right now, but I, I'm sure it's I, because you have another son who uh, is also in the system of IEPs. Um, do you dread the IEP? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is I, my thing. I, like, so, so obviously I've cried like three weeks through this. I am a, um, I, like I said, I'm, I may cry, but I get things done. I'm a crier. So every IEP ends in me crying in my car, even the good ones. Mm. Okay. So like there has never been, I'm like, I never come out unscathed. And part of that is because the structure of IEP is to discuss what they're doing well and what they're not doing well. There isn't an experience. If someone does that about your baby, right? Like if, if everyone sat through an IEP, mm-hmm. everyone. Mm-hmm. You're not leaving in a warm, fuzzy feeling. So that's, that's just, that's just part of it. So preparing yourself, you know, um, preparing yourself, being at the best mental clarity you can be to be in a meeting like that is really important. I think for parents and for teachers and therapists, I mean, I have walked in, um, to situations and I have heard conversations start with individuals who needed a minute before they walked in that door. They needed mm-hmm. a minute. And I'm so sorry that the system did not allow them to have a minute. Cause I know that the system doesn't lend to, um, to people having a moment to, to gather their thoughts and to have a conversation about our kid. Um, we've, we, we try to hold a lot of space for a new person. Like he has a new spe- newer speech therapist right now. He had us at school and he had a speech therapist for a long time who was amazing, who really learned with him. They grew together. I mean, she wasn't an, and no, all, no, all the things, but she grew with him and now, and now they rotated her out because that's what happens. Right. And this new person is not expected to have answers about him. Not even a little, she is expected to be respectful. She is expected to, um, I, I will tell you, you know, if anyone has actually spent time with Camden, cause the first conversation is like that Camden. And it's like, I know, cause he's a lot, <laughs> he is charismatic. He is boisterous. He wants to be popular. Like right now he wants to be TikTok famous. And you're like, okay, you know, we, we, you are not old enough to be on TikTok. So there's just, there's all these um, things about him. So anyone who's ever spent real time with him, you know, right away because you're not getting the, oh, 
you know, mm-hmm. surgery, you're not getting that because you know that he's over his surgery and he already asked his teacher out on a date two weeks ago because that's <laughs> on his AEC device. Do you want to go out sometime? And I want to hold your hand. And so you already know that is because that's that's Camden. He's he's just that way. So um when we're in the IEP room. Um, we have, we have, I mean, I've sat through the, you know, his IQ is so low and this is what, where he mm-hmm. is. And you're, you're just going, thank you for talking about a test that doesn't really measure my child's intelligence. Right. And so you're just kind of, but it hurts and okay. it's, and it hurts and it's necessary because for our kids to get what they need, there have to be labels, right? There have, you have to say they're neurodegenerative. You have to, and sitting in an IEP with a neurodegenerative kid means, um, preparing yourself for the percentages, right? Mm -hmm. You need to prepare for that data collection and the percentages and working on some of the things that, um, and not meeting that, that goal most of the time, not being the goal. And so, and then, um, needing to kind of hold onto anecdotal moments of clarity on that team. So it's like, I know that he's only doing this 38% of the time, but when we're having like a really good brain day, cause we have days that are really hard. You can tell with his face, even hard to control his face a little bit. Um, he can do it like that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, once he recovered from this surgery, cause this population, I mean, there's surgery, there's illness, there's nursing mm-hmm. shortages, you know? And so you're just out of school for a long time. And so it's like when he's able to be here consistently, um, based on everything that's going on. So that teacher's not judging us or that mm-hmm. is not saying, well, you don't get him here. You know I mean? They're understanding like there are obstacles here. Mm-hmm. And so when the team can do that um, and just give you anecdotes, I mean, there is not a moment that I think Camden's dad or myself just don't go, you know, thank you for working with him. You know, mm-hmm. thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the team. We do, um, I was talking a little bit about you know, sometimes Camden has a teacher that works with him, um, like a gen ed class. And as he's gotten older, his, his self-contained class teacher has really pushed for more mainstreaming, which has been amazing. Um, it's not always amazing. You know, Mm -hmm. last year it was magic. It was magic. Camden went to science camp, just like other kids and the kids love him. And Mm -hmm. it was amazing. This year has a little bit less magic. It's not bad. Um, she's just new at this and, um, I thank her for trying it. I thank her for being there. Um, I don't expect her to have all the answers. If he was in my sixth grade class, I don't know that I would have had all the answers. So again, it's just, I don't expect, um, I guess I don't expect them to know more than I do about him is a big piece. And I don't know what that would feel like as a mom of a child with autism, but I have a child with Down syndrome. And I will say, even the Down syndrome experts kind of look at my kid and go, mm, I don't know, he's a little different. It's like, right, because he's a kid, he's his own kid, you know? Right. And so there are parts that um, that maybe we don't all know. And, and when someone says to me, I don't really know exactly how we're going to get there, um, I almost exhale in those mm-hmm. moments. I almost, it's like, good. Mm-hmm. It's when someone walks in kind of with this idea that they have all the answers, I get a little bit hesitant about that person mm-hmm. because I'm um, probably not. And it's like, and then, and then that means a journey of them kind of getting to that place. Right. And for right. both of your boys, but, but it's like, if it's, um, interesting, they're going to be a hundred percent on whatever data sheet you pull out. If it's interesting. Right. 
And if it's not, not, they're going to be below 25% on something. So very much interest level is driving. And that's so very typical. Mm -hmm. I, um, I love though, um, we, I, I, depending on the, I think we actually air this one before we have Camden's teacher on, but she talked about saying, um, Oh, when I started inclusion, I was like, Oh, if there's a substitute, I don't send him. And do you remember this? Yeah. Okay. And so what was was the response? I was like, why? I I said, well, the first thing I ask is, is it harder for you to send them when there's a sub? Because if I'm asking more of a human, because that's what a school team is, they're humans. If I'm asking more of that human than is, than is possible, that doesn't mean that person can show up for my kid. Mm. Okay. They're hard jobs guys. So Mm. it's like, is it hard for you? And she's like, well, no, but, and I said, well, if you're worried about him, he can handle having a sub. So Mm. even he gets to come home and tell you that he had a stupid teacher wasn't there today and he doesn't know why she wasn't there. And like, did you like he, and I remember him being like, like almost like, did you know that there are people who saw, like, did you know that Mm. that can happen? Like there can be teachers who aren't your teacher. And it's like, yes, Mm -hmm. that's a whole thing, you know, exactly. And I, and I talk about, yes. And I, anything that can broaden his world, um, it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be happy. The world's not like that. I mean, there are going to be hard things. And so, um, and I think we shelter medically complex kids a lot Mm. from hard life, which is interesting because I've never met a kid stronger than my medically complex kid. I mean, he has had surgery. He has had doctors who manage handle him before they've asked. He's had, um, therapists who ask so much of his body. He has more resilience than a lot of kids I've ever met. Well, he can have a sub. Like that's like the mm-hmm. easiest thing he's done this year is have a sub right. <laughs> it to him. Like let's and, have and, that experience. And he's heard his older brother complain about subs. And now he's like, Oh, I had a sub. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. most normal things I remember for the, till the day I die, I remember, um, talking to him about inside out and we were talking about bing bong and we were talking about, um, imaginary friends. And I did this with like 11 home-based kids that week. And I asked that each one of them, do you have an imaginary friend? Everyone says no. Cause I've established a yes, no with everyone already. And he says, yes. And we start to get into it and I can't even handle it. So I'm writing it in a Google doc that that mom can see at any time because we share a Google doc when, when he was writing things. And I I'm like, oh my gosh, did you read the Google doc? And and she would, and, and Christy's like, I had an imaginary friend, all these things. Listen, you know what my, um, like data sheet for that day looked like (laughs) I struggle, right? I struggle. He answered WH questions. Cause I'm like, what, who is it? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? Does he run? Does he talk? Does he, what does he, all these things, right? Guess what? If I looked at every question he, I asked and he answered accurately on his device or with yes, no's, um, he was hundred percent. So can he answer WH questions? You bet. It's, you know, when if he especially can answer WH questions when I don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm not testing him. I'm not saying his your name is Camden. He's getting, he's not going to get that right. Does that mean he doesn't know his name? Absolutely not. It means he it cannot be bothered. Right. So really what we're always trying to do is AAC. And if, as soon as we pull out a data sheet, sometimes we lose it, but is we're making human connections. 
And this is what I hear about you saying in the IEP, like if somebody, if you're walking into an IEP and they're giving you the IQ test, fine. But if they're saying fine, because that's the system and, 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 and you're, and you're in the system. Um, it, but if they're saying, oh my gosh, that kid, um, all he wants to do is know about Jimmy Fallon's latest thing or whatever, whatever it is. Right. Cause I was talking to dad and he's like, he's into WWF fighting now. Like he kind of wants to watch fighting, which is by the way, not even remotely surprising. Like, and nothing no, that you guys are into in your homes, not even a little bit. And so it's like, mm-hmm. where do you get that? Yeah. That means people are taking time to get to know what he likes because that's not part of the culture of their home. Um, and, um, we've, we've seen that with like some, some kid will be like, I want ACDC. And mom's like, I don't know. I don't know why it came on the other day. He went bonkers. And now we have to have some hard, you know, we have to have some really heavy metal times at our home. And that's not me. That's him. And it's like, in the IEP, in the paperwork, in the this and the that, whatever. But when when I walk in and these people know these things, then I know they know my kid. And that means I know he worked hard to tell you that because you know everything's mm-hmm. hard. It's hard to communicate, right? And I feel like that um, that's, that's the big thing. You know, we've gone through different devices with him. We've gone through, um, and by the way, the layout mattered. And it was like, wow he could do this on the other device. And we're not really seeing that on this one. And there was just lots of different um, things I learned over the years with him. And, and to the- progress through to, to, to add to that, Brenda, you know, he had, you know, Camden was on word power. He was on word power with a certain amount of buttons. And then we had to make sure he had access then to bigger buttons. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he had like, I need my big buttons where that switched then to an AC that had obviously less words on a page, but was manageable because as he's gotten older, access change has changed for him because that's a lot of what his degeneration looks like. It also looks like, um, I make sure a device is charged every day for school, but I get home at four 30 and we are no longer using a device. Mm-hmm. Right. Because his eyes can no longer do that. So my method of, of communication with him is a lot of an eye gaze board or um, through just choice making. And um, anyone yeah. who has a kid with degeneration may experience one of the things they may experience is just how that, that level of fatigue by the end of the night, where then he's not talking anymore. Mm-hmm. He's, he's done. He's done for mm-hmm. whatever, whatever happened that day. Um, he has news on a step-by-step button that school um, does. And if you, if there's any school people who listen to this, the step-by-step with the, with the day is amazing. And then I record what happened that night and he shares that in circle. And I will tell you that there is never a time that he is sick or tired enough to not want to share his news. He mm-hmm. wants to share his news every single night mm-hmm. and he wants, a, he has hard, heavy, heavy opinions about what shared in that news. Yeah. So it's like, sometimes it's all about like some embarrassing thing his brother did. And it's not about, you know, the books he checked out at the library or he, you know, the right. walk we took and saw the Halloween decorations. He just wants to like raz on his brother because he's 11. Mm-hmm. He talk about the nice walk he took with his mother. He wants to talk about his brother slipping on the tile. Like that's what he wants to talk about. And what I love about the step-by-step for the teacher is she doesn't have to know how to program some high-tech button on the device every day as, as all 13, I, we had her on, I think she has 11. Or let's, right be, now. let's be honest, or the para, 
or the sub or right. the nurse because life happens in a classroom. Yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, or, or life happens at my house where it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't do the button. And the nurse is like, no problem. Just tell me what to put on it real fast because it's a quick report happens. thing. Exactly. Right. So, so having different access methods is so important. I think probably with right. all kids, but into generation, it's really important because you just never know when the, when the, 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 whatever you have just adopted and went all in on, you, you know, we, we have been one flew away from losing. Like we, you know, Camden was five. My kids brought home a virus. It was not an exciting virus, but we lost the ability to eat mm. that one virus. Cause those are things that can happen with degenerative kids. So, mm. um, it's hard to be all in on one thing. So, and Christy, you, you kind of, you mentioned how he has the button, um, like in WordPower that says, I need my big buttons. So to switch from the smaller to the bigger, what are some other things that, um, Camden does to advocate for what he needs during the day for his. So Camden, so Camden, it's a, it's very important. Again, knowing Camden is important. He can Mm -hmm. advocate for himself, but access is hard. So if you're already at the point where he's yelling, the sensory you you've missed some sensory steps, right? Mm. And don't get me wrong. And here's the deal. If someone tells me a teacher's like, he yells all the time. I am not going to be like, well, you didn't see that sensory. Cause guess what? Sometimes he yells in my house too. And I've missed those sensory steps. Mm-hmm. And I only have one of him mm-hmm. and two kids who can more take care of themselves. I don't have a room of eight kids in mm-hmm. wheelchairs and mm-hmm. the, everything that comes with that. So I, I think that, um, he can, I mean, that's kind of the, we've gone too far. He can cover his eyes. Sometimes that's work avoidance. Sometimes that's, I need a change. So if you ask him, like, I do, do you need something different? He will put his, he, he will put his hand down and look right at you. Cause he's like, well, I'm listening. What, what do you mm, want? Right. Um, the valid yes and no Camden's no is like this. His yes is looking up. Um, and he has a button on the device that says, ask me a yes, no question. Ask me a yes, no, no question. He also has on his device. Um, I need my low tech board. I want my low tech board. So he can mm-hmm. ask, um, with just one move, not, not four to five moves. Like I need something different. Right. It, you know, that, that, that is going to be too much. He's not, right. gonna, we're not doing core words. I no. need, and then, no. right. you know, we're not doing that. At that point. You just need to say it. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's something, you know, as he gets older and we continue and his journey looks like continuing eye gaze, um, obviously we did that eye gaze knowing that, um, with the, the motor degeneration that he's going to have someday, um, eyes may be what we have left. So that's where we started. Um, he does, can, he can do head switches. Um, sometimes he really likes head switches. Um, he likes it more for gaming and accessing, like playing games, um, and, and accessing music and things like that, accessing mm-hmm. what he wants to watch on Disney plus, mm-hmm. um, not so much communication, but it doesn't mean we don't practice it. It doesn't mean right. he doesn't have access to it because I don't get to decide when he likes that. And as he gets older, I, I try to remember he matures just like everybody else. So we'll see kind of what that looks like as well, but it does mean that those buttons are, are easily accessible. And it also means that when we are done looking at the eye gaze device, that we put that away and don't continue to try to force just like we wouldn't our, our, a typical 11 year old, we wouldn't just keep asking the same question, right? Mm-hmm. Just keep being like, are you mad? Are you mad? Are you tired? Are you tired? Are you tired? And because right. what happens then there's a shutdown mm-hmm. and then they, I, they don't, and then it's like, I don't want to communicate at all. 
So a lot of it has to be led with him. One of the biggest ways that we keep Camden communicating with us in any realm is to, um, to talk around him. So he's out with us. Everybody's just talking and, you know, somebody get like, Hey, Camden, but you're not standing there going, hi, Camden. Hi, Cam. Mm. Hi, Camden. Right. No, if you do that, he's like, uh, are you wanting something? Uh-uh. Yeah. The so face. He does this. He does this face like that. Um, so Don't single me out. Don't single me out. I'm 11. No. But if you, yeah. hi Camden, and you kind of walk away, like you would just anyone else, sometimes you'll get like, Hey, hi, mm-hmm. what's yeah. up? You know, mm-hmm. he'll do one of these and you're like, Oh, okay. And then you have to act cool about getting that right. Just like you <laughs> right, cool. He's a tween. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of do that. Um, and that's, you know, it, I, I wish it were more sophisticated than that. It really isn't. A lot of it is giving him his space to find out when it's worth it to communicate in the, in the manner that's in front of him. If you haven't, if you're a school team and you haven't a- attempted an eye gaze device yourself with mm-hmm. your fully myelinated brain, you should, it's hard. Good advice. Yeah. It's really hard. You also won't say, I want the blue cup with the green straw and the apple juice. Uh, Yeah. You will also try it before you had coffee and after you had coffee, right? Like different (laughs) times. Yeah. So true. You would say drink, 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 just Mm -hmm. like kids on a, at least my child on AC, Mm -hmm. you know, or he'll be like, um, you know, fun, 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 fun. For example, we were doing an activity, um, and he was, uh, he was doing something he didn't particularly wish to do that day. And, um, it was 118 degrees outside and he wanted to go on a walk. And so he's looking outside and he's like, um, night outside, nice, nice, cloudy, cloudy, cloudy. Mm. And I'm like, it does look cloudy. And he's like, nice, nice walk, walk. And it's like, no, it's 118 degrees. Do you see? Mm-hmm. He's trying to convince me with nice, right. nice, cloudy, 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 walk, walk, walk. Like, look at it outside. Mm-hmm. And so then I say, like, I hear you telling me how nice it is outside. I'm telling you it's too hot for a walk right now. And we're going to do this. So I guess if you're, I, I feel like, and that's after, that's nine years of AAC folks. That's what that mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. But that's clear communication to us. That is, Definitely. that is exactly, yeah. and it's effective. It's effective. Definitely. Right. Right. Christy, we are asking, um, all of our podcast participants, um, at the end of our podcast, we're asking, what do you want people to know about you? Um, because we're talking about another perspective. This is all about you guys. And so as a parent with a child with complex needs and a degenerative disorder, what do you want people to know about you, Christy? As a parent of that. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think it's, there's a couple things. One of the things would be that nobody gets, nobody inherits um, in an amazing way, a kid like Camden without a pretty significant story. So understanding that um, trauma in every capacity exists in the, in the, in the, is woven in the lining of that journey. Mm -hmm. So, and it doesn't mean that it's all bad. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. I have never had more. um, I've never learned more than I have by raising Camden, but it doesn't mean we came out unscathed. I mean, he was on life support. I've been on life support. 
we've done, we've done our fair share of, of hard and I haven't met anybody on this journey. Maybe they haven't had the same journey that we have, but nobody has come out unscathed. So Mm -hmm. understanding that nobody meets, there is no one who meets you at that table as at, at the therapy table or at the IEP table or at the conference table, um, who is, who is more equipped than the per- the other person that, that doesn't exist. I mean, I have two master's degrees in education and I'm just still a mom who cries about her kid on a podcast today. Like this is, <laughs> this is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, so I do think that it's, it's very important to, to be gentle with mm-hmm. families who are doing this, who are navigating this. Um, the other thing I think is really important and, and I, and I've said it in a couple different ways in different contexts. And I, I try every time I can to say it to a school team or a therapy team. Um, you're tired, you know, you're tired and things are hard and my kid might be hard and you might really want to tell me how my kid is hard. And you might try to find a really professional way to do that. Maybe you're going to, um, and and I'd say that about both of my kids, maybe you're going to talk about non-compliance, or maybe you're going to talk about, uh, the need of, for additional support in more sensory experiences or whatever it is. And, and, and I think we use different words. Non-compliance is a big one that we use professionally to say Mm -hmm. your kid is hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that, um, sometimes, and maybe without even trying, but sometimes to try to, because you're tired, um, people will will very much want to communicate to you how hard that child is. And what I would say to you, and I and I've been a teacher with hard kids, and I'm a I've been a principal with hard kids, and I've been an instructional coach with hard kids. And here's what I'm going to tell you: um, I know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know they've been hard every hard day of their hard little life. They've been hard. You know, so I, I know with my middle son a lot, we'll, we'll talk about, say something about how hard it is to teach him something. And it's like, right, six years of body training. Like I'm still waiting for my medal to show up. So <laughs> I, I hear you, but I do think that um, maybe think about why, why you need to say that today. Like maybe mm-hmm. think about what it is, you know? So I would say that, you know, I want people to know that I didn't get here without a story. Mm -hmm. And, um, we are all just clinging to hearing the good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And by the way, what's the harm in that? What's the harm? Which is not a degenerative thing. That is a, um, Mm -hmm. that's a parenting thing. That is a, I, that's an autism thing. That is a, I mean, that is just the world of special needs clings mm-hmm. to the good stories. And mm-hmm. if you can't come to the table with one, you need to think about your relationship with that kid or your role in that situation. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah. is a perfect answer. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't think I've learned more from a parent than you. I think you're, I've learned more from you than any parent I've worked with. And I'm so, so grateful for you to come on. And I'm so much fun. Thank you to, um, I, I mean, the, the conversation is priceless. Um, the, the vulnerability was incredible and I know this was a hard thing and 
Um, I, so I, I love you and I'm so glad you came on and I, I couldn't have asked for more from you regarding just the honesty of today's Mm -hmm. conversation. So Mm -hmm. thank you so much. Oh, thank you guys so much. If there's anything else I need to, is there anything else I need to do? (laughs) No, no, thank you so much. This is going to be so good for people to hear. Um, so it's amazing to talk to you. It's great for me to hear, but there's just so many tidbits, but I think, okay, I can't wait for a therapist to hear that, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is, or I can't wait for a parent who feels in isolation to hear that too. Or yeah. I can't wait for people to hear your, um, you know, you're capable, you're smart, you yeah. have all the degrees, you, you work in education and it's still hard. Like that's yeah. actually super validating. Yeah. Everyone in the process and grace needs to be given to yeah. all people. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I'm, I mean, I, like, if you can find her, the one who's not like crying about her degenerative kid on pot, like I like introduce her to me. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, this I, is that's not who we want though. Yeah. This that's not, stuff. That's and I think, real. and the, the, the parent who, um, the parent who shows up with the lawyer and the advocate and is mama bear, by the way, that's just how they, they feel like they can safely get into that situation. Right. Yeah. Those are yeah. that's mm-hmm. just, that's just their coping mechanism for how to do this mm-hmm. because they can't do it alone. And they can't like, every time I see an advocate or a lawyer who would walk into our, I was a case manager for a while in a school and um, way before I had uh, special needs kids myself. And every time it would happen, I remember I'd say, wow, the communication or whatever it was that got us here, they can't trust me. Mm-hmm. They don't trust me today. That's all you, I mean, and, and it's like, if, mm-hmm. you, if you really think about that, that is a profound thing in itself. That is emotional and vulnerable in itself. Mm-hmm. But we don't mm-hmm. think about that when someone walks in like that, we think, right. oh, you know, they just can't, you know, uh, we think about how right. much harder our job. Well, we think, we think they're mad at us. They, they blame us for the, for their kids' progress, but actually you're right. It's just like, I can't do this alone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and you're right. And possibly you're right too, that I don't trust people or I don't trust all the people at this table or I don't, or I've been blindsided before. So with no, nothing against you guys, but I don't trust my previous people. I mean, I've gotten close. I mean, like we've had, you know, they tried to take nursing away once and it was like, I, I had one conversation without a lawyer in me. And then if that hadn't gone well, which I'm glad it did, but if that had not gone well, you bet right. your bottom dollar, I would have needed help right. because when it comes down to it. That's, that's the, the mechanism, but I've been lucky to have, um, open conversations with people who, um, don't have the answers, but want to move forward together. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. That was a big takeaway for me, Christy, talking, hearing, hearing you speaking, because I can think of a million times when I would say, Oh, okay, I'm going to go back. If I could go back, I would approach that meeting differently or I'm, you know, so I mean, yeah, you've made me think now about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to approach that. And, and also okay know to make mistakes that you are a person who has a life and your own stressors and your job is hard and you're not expected to come to that meeting. Perfect. Every time mm-hmm. it's impossible. Like it's not possible for you to be perfect in every meeting. So, and it's like, and if my meeting is the one where the teacher needs to say, like, I get really close to him and I talk to him really slow and I pet his arm. I mean, 
<laughs> she could, I could have gone off the rails about it. Mm-hmm. Um, all that, all that told me was where she is in her inclusion journey and she's just beginning. And I'm so glad Camden's going to help her through it. Like what a cool, what a cool thing for my kid to do. She's new, mm-hmm. you know, and then you go home and you say to your kid, does she pet you? And he kind of looks at me and I said, Camden, <laughs> she is just learning how to talk to a Camden. So be nice to her. <laughs> Hold space for her. <laughs> But I love that story. And, but I also think that the biggest takeaway for all of us is um, if you don't have a personal story to tell about the student, you're about to walk in on an IEP in, mm-hmm. you have to consider how, have I made a human connection with this student then? And if not, then what am I, how do I change moving forward? Um, I have, you have to be able to walk into a meeting and, and um, earn the trust by showing that you have earned the trust of the student by knowing something that isn't in the paperwork. And let me me put my administration hat on for just a second. And you are an overwhelmed brand new OT and you have so many kids at three schools. Here's the deal. Start, you know, which one you need that with first, Mm -hmm. right? We all know who the kid is we need to start with. You don't have to start everywhere. You just have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's like you, so it's like, I would say to a person listening to this, who's overwhelmed by saying like, you have to make a personal connection with everybody. I, I hear how hard that is. Mm -hmm. So start where you think it's needed the most. Right. Unfortunately though, let's be honest with ourselves. We want to start where it's easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So that's, you know, and then if you walk up to the teacher and say, Hey, what's their jam? And the teacher goes banging their head into the wall. And then you go to the, the and it's like this, you go to the PE teacher and like, I don't know. And nobody knows Boy, does that say a lot, right? That yeah. says a lot about, so it's like, okay, be the, be the, be the person that makes that change and do it for the one because yeah. you, because maybe the speech therapist has a handle on this one. And maybe the teacher thinks this one's adorable. And this, you know, this child has this, or this kid really likes PE, but if, find the one that you need to do that for. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Good message. Thank okay. We so can talk much. forever, but we yes. want to be of everyone's time, but this was amazing. And, um, we, yes, we really appreciate you being on here. So yeah. thank you guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank All right. you. Bye. Bye.